Hello, welcome to TNA Top 10, your weekly college football podcast. I'm T. Weeds, with me as always is Andrew. We'll look back at week two of the college football season, we'll look forward to week three. There's some pretty good games on the slate for week two. Week three is not going to be so much. Uh, so we'll have plenty of things to say there. Coaches need to shut up at this point. So there's a little bickering going on to get into that too. But there's uh, something else we need to get into now. So let me go ahead and turn this music down a bit. Um, so normally we would have a rant right here. I think um, there's some news out of Michigan that is a little less ranty and a little more serious. So we have had, I believe, our first firing of the season with Mel Tucker at Michigan State. Uh, some reports are saying suspension, so I'm, at the time of recording, I'm not really sure about that. But Andrew and I have agreed that we are going to treat this as a football thing. We're not going to dig into the sexual harassment complaints or the investigation. Uh, we will leave that up to Michigan State to do what they need to do, and we will react to this as a regular old coach firing. So um, hopefully uh, those that are making the decision here um, know all the good information and they make the right decision. And we're all for uh, good people being treated well and bad people paying the price. But um, that's all we want to say about that. So, Andrew, how about we change it up a little bit, get away from all of that stuff, and why don't you talk Nebraska-Colorado for me a little bit? Well, Terry, you just lied to our audience talking about there won't be a rant. Um it's a good thing that I didn't own the furniture in the room I was watching the game. That that was one of those – it would have gotten broken. I mean, that's just one of those things. Uh, so I could shit all over Colorado, and there's the first potty mouth word in 35 seconds I've been on the air. But I'm not going to. Um, biggest change from week one to week two is Colorado's defense showed up. And uh, – Nebraska still ran 5.1 yards carry, still threw 5.1 yards carry, but they only put 14 points on the board. Their offense helped give Colorado 20 points. And the, the bottom line is you can make excuses if you want. Eight turnovers in two games is not going to win you games. If you don't protect the ball, you're not going to win games. Colorado also proved that Nebraska's attack, eight sacks, Shador Sanders took 11 tackles for loss, double digit knockdowns, double digit hurries. He stayed in the pocket, he stayed poised, and they ran their offense. Nebraska's defense in the first half dominated that line of scrimmage. They made the adjustments. Nebraska loses the football game. They, and you're not going to win the game when you turn the ball over four times. This is the thing Nebraska plays a clean game. Colorado still wins. They are that good of a football team. They still win. They pulled out the defense, and that offense, there isn't an answer for them because they just keep coming at you. And while they have the meat of their schedule coming in two weeks with Oregon first, USC next, but they got to get to Colorado State first. I get it. Game day is going to be there. Big deal for Dion and the boys. But at the end of the day, Colorado can play with anybody in the Pac-12. And we didn't learn that because they beat Nebraska. We learned that because a team that won a shootout decided to come back the next week and play defense and still run their offense 
and put over 400 yards after eight sacks, 11 tackles for loss, double-digit hurries, and not that. So hats off to Colorado. Nebraska, clean your shit up. This is ridiculous. Eight turnovers in two games doesn't win you games. Leaving the defense out on that field for that long and not being able to sustain a drive does not win you games. The best defense Nebraska could have played Saturday was keeping Shadar Sanders and the offense off the field. And they were not able to do that. They were their own worst enemy again. And the better team won the football game. Yeah, I've seen now, I've seen several reports talking about the difference. You know, there's been all this spat back and forth between the coaches and Shadur Sanders said some stuff. Um in the post-game interviews and stuff. Uh, I think the difference, and I thought it was somewhat respectable coming from Matt Rule in the offseason, was that, you know, we're not going to be heavy on the transfer portal. And I don't know that he really called out Colorado on that particularly, um, but that's just not what he, the how he does things. And, you know, historically, Season one for Matt Rule, somebody really pointed this out online that I saw. I don't remember who it was. It's not a great season, but he really comes back season two, and he does it a lot of times with figuring out who he's got, um, using them the best way he can, adding some pieces and that kind of thing. Dion didn't do that, right? And there's a lot of people that are going to criticize, but this is how college football is setting up. You know, you come in, you, you clean house. You, you bring your team in. It used to take two or three years. Now it's immediate. And, you know, we used to think that's video game stuff, but Dion's kind of proven it doesn't have to be. It can work now. Yeah, with the transfer portal, you absolutely can build a team. You, we, we talk about Oklahoma and what Venables has done in, his, in year two. Year one was disastrous for him because the entire football team went to Southern Cal. They went to the University of Southern California. They're, I mean, and now we're seeing what Sanders did. Wasn't it 86, 86 players he brought in through the transfer portal to Colorado? Like it was? Something like that, yeah. Big number. You, you only get 100 and – what is it, 125? 125, something like that. And I think yeah. 85 scholarships, right? Something. Yes. Yeah, uh, so two, two-thirds of your football team came – through the portal. Good for him. It's one of the objections Saban has to it, though. You're not organically growing football teams. Now you're going to create these teams. Colorado wasn't on anybody's radar to make a playoff game. Now they might be. Now they might be. But they built the team through the portal. If it's what the rules allow, who are we to say that's not the right way to do business? Now, to your point, Matt Rule said in his press conference, he said, I'm not an instantaneous overnight guy. We're not building a program to win one championship. We're building a championship program. And he actually said, we're rebuilding a championship program. The problem is Nebraska fans are not going to be patient with this. And they're not going to be patient because the resources available in the transfer portal, they already think he made the mistake by not keeping Casey Thompson and going to, uh, Sims here, who's who's eight turnovers deep already, and we're two games in, and we haven't faced the teeth of the schedule yet at this point. Uh, we got an easier game, maybe, Northern Illinois, I believe it is, this week, uh, and it's the home opener. 
don't shit the bed in front of 94,000 people. It's not going to be pretty because they do sell that place out. Right. Um, that made me laugh about Colorado celebrating the sellout in Boulder. Well, fun fact, kids, Nebraska has sold out Memorial Stadium every home game since 1963. Winning championships or going 3-9, and nine, Memorial Stadium, Tom Osborne Field, is the third biggest city in Nebraska on Saturdays during football season. So, you know, that is how it's going to be. They're going to they're gonna bounce back and play good football. The defense played really good football, but Colorado is a very good football team. They're well-coached. I said it again. They bought into Sanders. He has those guys playing like they're Alabama or maybe better after the, the showing Alabama had this weekend. But he's got them believing that they're going to win the Pac-12. They're going to win the semifinal. They're going to win the national championship. That's how he has them playing. It's that swagger. You saw it with the U in the 80s in Miami. Yeah, you know, ironically enough, Sanders is a Florida State guy. They had plenty of swagger back then. Barry Switzer, his program at Oklahoma, you saw that. Alabama, Nick Saban walks on the field, and it's a 21-point advantage in most cases. So he's got that swagger. You know, they've got that edge that they play with. Colorado is a real team. Our real team, we're going to find out when they face Oregon. Because Colorado State, I don't believe, is going to give them much of a fight. Um, there have been years of past where Colorado State's given them all they want. But this momentum Sanders is building, the media is just all over him like they were Trump in 2016, and that's how he became the president of the United States. But the, the idea that Sanders is the only thing people are paying attention to, and meanwhile, you got a man out there in Athens, Georgia, going for his third national championship, getting ready to open his season this, with South Carolina. Let's let him play somebody with a pulse first, yeah. <laughs> Nobody's talking about Kirby Smart in Georgia. Um, people, of course, are talking about Alabama, but how much have you heard about Ohio State? What about Michigan, you know? Sanders is sucking the oxygen out of the room with the Colorado team, and the thing is, people are buying into it 100%. Even, I mean, fans are buying into it, and his team's bought in. Colorado's a real deal. Don't know if they can win nine or ten games, but I promise you they think they can. So that's all that matters in the grand scheme of things. They think they can. Yeah, they believe. That, yeah, to that point, I think, you know, this is set up kind of for Dion to talk to his players in a way that motivates them because, you know, the voters have never faced this. They've never faced a brand new team to pop up out of nowhere because of the transfer portal. Now they can't base any of this on last year. You know, normally you can base quite a bit on what happened last year, just based on you, you had to have mostly the same players. That's not true anymore. And Dion took advantage of that. So the voters don't know how or when to give them credit for the things they do. Now I'll give them credit because they played two teams that actually had a pulse. They weren't both top 25 teams. You know, Nebraska, as you know well, is in year one of a rebuild, but they're better than Middle Tennessee State. I mean, come on. This is not one of those cupcake games. 
So they beat two teams with a pulse. So they need, they deserve credit. And there's a lot of people that didn't think they were going to win either of those games. So they've proven that. But now the best team they've beaten is TCU. And where does TCU fall in? You know, they beat them by three. So it's tough to really figure out where Colorado is. Um, so for the voters, they have no real incentive other than they play two decent teams to to pull them up. So they pull them up a little bit, but they're not going to bump them way up until these two games coming up. But then if you're Dion, you say, look what you did on the field. And they're still not giving you respect. So that just pisses them off. And they go out and they just rip into somebody. The problem is how long can that pattern stay? You know, can it go through the Oregon and USC game? If there's kind of a collapse there, what happens afterwards? I'm not predicting anything there, but I'm really interested in this because this is a brand new thing in college football. We have not seen this before, and it's not just Dion. It's the setup and the rules changes that have led to this. Very interesting, and I don't know I don't think the the voters know how to vote on teams like this. And um, nobody knows how to handle Dion being out in the open and saying whatever the hell he wants to say, that's for sure. No, and I and one thing I got mad respect for Colorado, you know, I mean, I grew up in Nebraska when Colorado was the rivalry, not Oklahoma. The the Switzer Osborne days were done by the time I was um ground watching football. But this is what I will say about Colorado. That's a really tough football team. Nebraska sacked their quarterback eight times. 11 tackles for loss. That's 19 defensive plays. Colorado didn't do jack shit. And they put 400 yards on the board and scored 36 points. And they kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And they weren't slowing down for anybody. I mean, Shadar Sanders went on his ass eight times. Yeah, believe me, in the Iron Bowl, when, when Auburn sacked Brody Croyle, I don't know, I think it, it was either nine or 11 times, we made bumper stickers after that. There was no that's my big explosive force of offense that came with it. No, and that's my point. You, you, you see a defense have those stat lines, and you think, oh, God, they dominated the game. It was 36-14, and Colorado still put 400-plus yards offense up. Yeah. Now, Nebraska gave them a short field three times, but Colorado is a tough team. If you're going to keep dusting yourself off after getting smacked over and over and over again, props to Shadar Sanders. Regardless of what he thinks of Matt Rule, I wasn't there. I don't know. But, um, you know, and he plays with that same edge Dion does. They're drama kings. But they turn that shit into motivation at the end of the day. Don't criticize it because it works so your point the lack the lack of respect they're not giving us our due they're not giving us our prop they don't think we can beat Oregon or USA that's going to be all over his locker room in Boulder all over the practice field all over their minds Deion Sanders already knows what he has he knows how to get him to play and he's prime time that's the thing we make fun of him coach prime and his audaciousness and all this other stuff He's getting the job done. And he got it done at Jacksonville State, too. It just wasn't on this this level of media exposure. So, 
Yeah, there was a lot of uh, thought that he pulled some like five star, four star guys down to that level, and of course they're going to dominate. It's kind of like when Cam Newton won a national championship in JUCO the year before he came to Auburn. It's like, well, yeah, of course he did. You know, it was yeah, by Juco. way of Florida. So he, Urban right. Meyer recruits him, he goes to JUCO, he ends up in Auburn. You know, yeah, so he won two uh, consecutive national championships. We don't really talk about. It. <laughs> well, nobody talks about the JUCO one. No, I mean, that, that'll wrap us up on Nebraska-Colorado. Colorado in a route over Colorado State, as far as oh. I could tell. Uh, Nebraska hopefully gets the first win and gets the home season opener. Um, but I'm ready for Oregon-Colorado next week. Yeah. Let's find out. When you're facing an offense uh, like Oregon that does have a good, good enough defense to make some stops because they had to against Texas Tech, and we might get there. Um, Let's go ahead and find out, you know. Come on, Dion, keep it up. Let's see 4-0, 5-0, because I'll never, ever root for USC, so I <laughs> might be on the Dion Sanders bandwagon three weeks from today. Who knows? That's true. I'll never root for USC. I spent, and I've probably mentioned it already, and this is episode three, but I've spent a lot of time hoping USC. I mean, 2004, uh, probably half the season, I was up late just, hoping they would they would slip up, and they always stormed back. So anyway, you mentioned Alabama a little bit earlier, so obviously that's a big game of the weekend. So Texas looks good. Um, so I don't know, you know, I'm, as an Auburn guy, I never, ever want to assume that Alabama has lost it, you know. This is a 10-point loss at home to Texas. Um, what do we take from this other than this is a preview of future SEC games? First thing it is is a wake-up call for Nick Saban. He was uh, in his football team. He was eerily calm talking to the press the day after the football game. He was eerily calm. And uh, Alabama got dominated in the – in the trenches, both offensive, defensive side of the ball, the line of scrimmage, Texas did to Alabama what Alabama has done for the last 15 seasons under Nick Saban, and that is control the line of scrimmage, control the tempo of the game, grind it out, and win football games. That is exactly what they did. They Starkeesian took that formula, and they applied it. Alabama had five 315-pound-plus linemen that were made to look like children by that defensive front of Texas. And Alabama never got into the rhythm. The run game wasn't there. The pass game wasn't there. The quarterback did not look comfortable. And the problem for anybody that plays in the SEC West is Nick Saban is only going to get better and better and better and better. Now, Texas might be for real, but Alabama just got cold water thrown on their faces. And I saw a rumor today off one of those sites that says Saban's telling people this may be his last season. If it is, he's going out with a bang. So, you know, I mean, he's going out with a bang. But uh, the greatest college football coach of all time can coach as long as he wants. Alabama's not done. If you think they are, go play in traffic. 
because they're not. They got beat by a team that played far more physical football than they did Saturday night. Well, I mean, you know, this this points to where do you put Alabama now in the pecking order of the SEC West? You keep them up top because who else in the SEC West has shown up and done anything? So far, LSU got shown the door by Florida State. You know, Ole Miss has looked decent, but, you know, they played a close game well, come, in this season. I was going to say, they had to come from behind to win that Tulane game, and it yeah. looked – it looks it looks like it was more of a runaway than it wasn't, but that defensive touchdown right. at the end yeah. pushed right. Ole Miss over yeah. the top with a stupid score. Yeah, yeah, and I put uh, that poll out. I mean, Tulane's a pretty good team. Yeah, I mean, Tulane's yeah. a pretty good team. Um, you know, they're not Power Five, but I think they're definitely the best Group of Five team. But um, that was a good game. Um, I don't see Ole Miss though. It, but honestly, even with Tulane being good, if you're going to be contending for SEC West this year before the SEC West goes away, apparently, next year, um, you're going to have to be able to handle that a little better. Um, and then you got Texas A&M that really, you know, Miami's good, but Texas A&M and Jimbo just really didn't show that they were really a force there. And I mean, who else in the SEC West? You know, Auburn's 2-0, but that California game was sloppy on both sides. And California is not, you know, they're not in the, in the mix in the Pac-12, so it's not that impressive to go out there and win. I mean, it's good when you are when you got a new coach in your building, but they haven't done anything impressive so far. Um, Mississippi State, I don't know. They, their coach has a and lot of questions. Who knows? Because because uh, what's his name died. Leach is then, so right. this is a new coach under Mississippi State. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. You know they didn't stink it up and get fired, but you know there's a lot of questions at Mississippi State. And then who have I not mentioned? Arkansas. Uh, have I mentioned Arkansas? Arkansas? And they're always they Arkansas great. is always good. They're always good for a couple upsets though. So that's just. Right. But that that goes to your point. Back to that middle of the pack in the SEC. When they play LSU day after Thanksgiving, is it going to be that upset game? You know, is it because that's that rivalry there, or is is Mississippi State going to come to come to you know uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, and beat the Razorback? I mean, it just the SEC West is wide open. It's pretty clear that the the East is a two team race. It is. You know, it's Georgia and it's Tennessee. It is. Um, South and, Carolina just I mean, decided that they're not as good as we thought they might be. I think that North Carolina game, South Carolina showed us that, you know, they're not, they don't look like they're going to be the team they were toward the end of the season last year. Well, and you may get into it later that Georgia's on quote upset alert or whatever, because don't overlook, don't overlook the Gamecocks in Columbia. Cause that's where the game is. It's in Columbia this weekend. Yeah. Um, but the, the the South Carolina team that showed up to play North Carolina in the Mail Bowl, they don't even need to come. They don't even need to get off the damn bus if that's how they're planning to play the Bulldogs. Because right. Georgia has been dominant. They haven't played anybody yet. Right. But like you said, let's let's dust off the first couple of games. We sent twenty plus players to the NFL draft last year. We got to reload the gun. 
So let's go ahead and do that. Well, you know, Georgia's still number one until Georgia's not number one anymore. And for me, that means they have to lose. Georgia still has to lose. Alabama is still a top 10 team in my mind, but they just got out muscled. And you don't think that Saban knows how to, how to make that work to his advantage, that it becomes a pride thing. You guys gave up my line of scrimmage. You let somebody be more physical than Alabama. And what are we known for no matter what position we're playing, be that offense, defense, or special teams? We're known for physicality, and you guys didn't do it on Saturday night. You let Texas come into our house and beat you. Um, Saban doesn't need me to, to hit his rallying points for him. It's pretty obvious what that game plan is going to be. And, you know, prayers to whoever they drew for week three because Alabama's going to be coming, and they're going to be coming with everything they got. South Florida. Yeah, so South Florida, I believe, is who it is. They are going to feel something in the morning after this game. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's interesting because, you know, Saban, he will not – he doesn't shy away when he has his post-game press conferences of saying so-and-so didn't do that well. But this time he didn't He didn't have much of that. So he's also pretty good at understanding what needs to be said to his team. You know, we talk about Dion being that way. In one sense, with you know, you're the underdog. Um, we haven't seen Dion as you're already the top dog. How do you talk to your team? But Saban's had a while to learn how to talk to his team when they have these games like this and bring them back. Because I mean, they've they've had some losses that have been pretty ugly. They're few and far between, but they bounce back and they're pretty fierce. Because my team feels it every season. You know, like. There might be an LSU loss. Yep. Yeah, the Iron Bowl is just – they're smacking us around, but, you know. I'd have to check the record, but I think that's loss number 29 is all since he's been at Alabama. No, I think it's It 18. might be – Huh? I think it's 18. No, no, he's lost He's lost more games than that. I don't but know. Maybe not regular season games. Maybe not – I don't know, but – I, he hadn't lost 30 games. Let's just use that number. He hasn't lost 30 games. And that's why the most hated phrase in all of college football is Alabama wins again. Because time and time and time again, they win and they win and they win. And what happened to them Saturday is what they've been doing to everybody for 15 years. And I will, I will die on that hill. Starkeesian had a better offensive game plan than the greatest football coach the NFC NCAA has ever seen. Had a better offensive game plan. And then his defense came to ball. He said, look, you guys got five 300-pound line. We don't care. And they made them look silly. And so how do you respond to that? What's the response? My answer is Alabama runs the table to the SEC title game. That's the response to this Texas loss. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't see, I don't see the big loss for them. Um, Ole Miss shows up and has a spectacular game. They probably got potential there to do that. Um, I don't know. Auburn's not there yet. Um, Auburn tends. If to Auburn, be if, if Auburn turns in, sorry, Terry. If Auburn turns in that offensive performance they had Saturday, 
Alabama's <laughs> going to eat their lunch. I mean, it ain't going to be pretty. It was not. Bad. Yeah. Um, one thing, uh, you know, this gets into both our teams, I think. And I tagged you in something the other day. Somebody said something on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it. Um, you know, both our teams have been pull-the-trigger-quick kind of football teams in the past. And, you know, I brought up, like, you know, specifically with the Auburn-Alabama thing, people want to say, you know, Auburn only cares about the Iron Bowl. But if that were the case, Gus Malzahn wouldn't have been fired. He won three out of eight games against Saban. I mean, that's not a record anybody has. Three and five doesn't sound great, but you're talking about going up against the fiercest team you've seen in 20 years or whatever. Um that's pretty impressive. But, boy, he couldn't beat Georgia or LSU. I know that much. But um, why well, I brought that up, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, Alabama is um, – they're here and they're, they're staying here. This, this idea that they're gone, you know, if you want to talk about Clemson that way, um, maybe. I don't know that Dabo love- has the magic that, that Saban has, but – Ah, Saban, he's he will retire on a good season. There won't be some kind of fall apart kind of thing going on. No, and the other thing about Dabble is he doesn't have a Brent Venables anymore. There's no defensive coordinator. Their offense has gotten a little stale. They went into halftime twenty seven or twenty four seventeen up on Charleston Southern State University, whoever. Um and they ended up winning 66 to 24, whatever it was. But you can't start that slow when you play Florida State this season, particularly if you want to go to the ACC championship game. You better come to play Notre Dame. They showed some mocks against uh, NC State this weekend uh, in the weather, you know, in Raleigh. So, um, I mean, Wolfpack had the home advantage, and they didn't. They didn't make the most of it. So Clemson had a great bounce back game. LSU had a great bounce back game, and they both needed it, but they didn't play anybody. They didn't play anybody. Either one of them didn't play. Grambling, I mean, LSU put 73 up on Grambling. Okay, good for you guys. Brian Kelly, you still suck. You suck at Cincinnati. You sucked at Notre Dame. You suck at LSU. Um, And under the bright lights, you're going to lose. And he's going to lose more often than he's going to win there in Baton Rouge. And I don't care if people like what I said about him or not. At the end of the day, this is our show. And uh, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding, everybody. But I'm not kidding about Brian Kelly. He's not the guy to lead an SEC football team back to its one known glory. So the SEC, to me, doesn't have a whole lot of questions. Alabama's bouncing back. Um Georgia and Tennessee rule the East. Florida is a disaster, dumpster fire. Don't think that coach makes it through the season. Yeah. I don't I don't think he makes it through the season. Um, you got steady Kentucky. They're gonna win eight or nine games, but you know, they get up against the big boys in the East and they typically crumble. That's um, not gonna be a lot. Best team in the league over there. South Carolina's not gonna step up and do it. Yeah. It's the only it's the only chance they have until Tennessee plays Georgia. So that's it, you know, for me. Um, 
But the problem is, by the time Tennessee and Georgia play, both teams will have nine or eight games under their belt. It will be a slugfest. But uh, anyway. Yeah, if it's not Georgia-Alabama in the SEC championship, something big has happened along the way. Uh, we don't really anticipate. Uh, and there's teams that could show up on one Saturday and do that. You know, that tends to happen. But I'm not seeing that. I don't see Texas A&M stepping up and doing that. Um, Ole Miss has been okay, but I don't see them really stepping up and really putting pressure on. Auburn's not there. Florida's falling off. South Carolina, question mark. Maybe they've got the potential. I just don't. You know, Tennessee, I don't. I mean, they have not been great compared to their expectations. Um, I don't know. I just don't see anything other than Georgia, Alabama. And next year will be interesting with, without the divisions and bringing in two new teams. Um, that'll be some interesting football and see what comes out of that and how they manage to get the two best teams out of there. I don't know. A lot of things are changing here. Indeed. But the SEC is still the king of football. So, talked about a lot of this week. I think we've hit pretty pretty much most of the points. Um, what I'd like to do is go ahead and throw the top ten out there, and then we can start talking about week three. As weak as it is, maybe it's W-E-A-K-3, week three. But um, let's go ahead and throw the top ten out there and then look forward and try to make some predictions. Might be easy this week compared to some others, but um, we're going to do it. So here is the top 10. I need some kind of some kind of music for the top 10 coming in. I'll work on that. I'll, I'll talk to the yeah, so audio Maybe you should talk to the producer. Yeah, the audio guy. Producer, who's that guy? Anyway, yeah, so this exactly. is the top 10. <laughs> Don't ask him about his AOL internet, folks. He was pissed <laughs> Harry last night. That guy was trying to run. He was stumbling. Yeah, don't get me started on a rant with internet. Goodness, we were wanting to put this thing out early, but uh, that didn't quite happen. But you know, we're gonna put that behind us because uh, Terry's in a decent mood tonight, and he doesn't want to start talking about that because um, the internet's working. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell her that she's, um, she's pretty and all that, so she doesn't get mad at me tonight like last night. But, um, but here we go, drum roll. Uh, number 10, we got Washington at 2-0 and with 13 points. Number 9, falling a little bit from grace here, but only the number 9 is Alabama. The Crimson Tide is the top one-loss team at 1-1 one and one with 15 points. Tied at number 7 are USC and Tennessee at 2-0 and with 16 points. Tied at 5 are Ohio State and Penn State at 2-0 and with 21 points. Number four is Texas with 24 points. They jumped up, uh, I think, three spots this week. Uh, we've got a tie for number two this week with Florida State and Michigan, both at 2-0 and with 27 points. And still, until we see something that proves us differently, Georgia has both first-place votes, and they sit at 2-0 and with all 30 points possible. And that is the post-week two TNA top 10. Any thoughts there? Any surprises? 
we seem to agree a little more now than we did preseason. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't knock Alabama out of the top ten. I don't think. I still think they're better than five of those teams. Um, but they lost, so they have to they have to come down. You can't leave them just because we know the record and and track them. And I'm a Nick Saban fanboy because of his offense and defensive game planning. Um, number two, Florida State. They rolled. They rolled again. They didn't play anybody, but they rolled. I think they put 63 points on. They said it was the most scored under the Norvell era. So there you go. I mean, and you get that quarterback hot with those receivers at Florida State, and they are very, very difficult to stop. He is, he has got that, that edge, that attitude, that it factor, that swagger, whatever you want to call it, and he plays with it. Um, looking at Michigan. Um, Ohio State for me, I bumped them down a little bit. Thirty-five to seven against Youngstown. I mean, come on, guys, you're not you're not playing like Ohio State. I get that you said it last week. They have uh, they had those games where they'd win by a touchdown or less, you know, and they won a national title that way. But um, this is this is not the Ohio State I expected when I made them the number two team in the very first rankings that we did. Uh, even making the joke, I hate to do it, but Ohio State's a really good football team. Um, I think Texas can play with Ohio State right now. I think they can play with Michigan. So that's a good spot for them to be that four spot because now they're in the Big 12. So they're not in the SEC yet. Let's see how the rest do, – does the hangover from the big win hurt them? Do they make it to the Red River shootout undefeated, setting up a nice Oklahoma-Texas game? Remember, if I'm not mistaken, last year Texas put the goose egg on Oklahoma, and it was like 49-0 to zero or some obnoxious score, and that had never happened before. I don't think we see that repeat with Brent Venables' second year in, um, even though they, they had a tough outing this weekend against SMU, or a tougher than maybe should have been outing against SMU. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm good with the, where we put everybody this week based on what they've done and maybe what they haven't done. Um, Tennessee looked a little sloppy this weekend. So, um, picked up a little of that game. You and I talked about Miami and A&M. We may get into that a little. I mean, Crystal Bowl's got those guys playing down in South Beach. So we'll see. We'll see. But, um. Colorado beats Oregon. I'll put them in the top ten. Oh yeah, definitely. You, you know, I wish I could look at the week three and say we're going to learn some things. Uh, that's what I hate about this week because we're two weeks in. We've had just a handful of games that really showed us much, and then we look forward to this week and we still don't have anything. The first three weeks of this season are horrible compared to other seasons. There have been you know, I know that supposedly there's supposed to be a, what, a Georgia-Oklahoma game in the first couple of weeks, and that got canceled or something. Um, not sure why that would get canceled in the Alabama-Tennessee-Texas did get canceled, you know. Um, what's the difference there? Why would them coming to the SEC cancel the Georgia game but not the Alabama game? I don't – I can't speak to that. But it would have been nice to see a Georgia-Oklahoma game because Georgia has played – Zero snaps that meant much of anything. I know they all mean something. Yeah, they're, 
but it's just it's been pathetic. They just they just lube in the machine at this point. They're just running the machine to run the machine because Georgia's gonna and they haven't shown anybody anything yet because they don't have to. Nothing exotic defensively. They're not digging deep into the playbook. It's twenty-two power. Let's go. Get behind the fullback and let's run the ball. You know, they're not. They're not doing anything that's outside of the the box or outside of Georgia football. Or Kirby telling his offensive coordinator, "I need something." You know, or telling his defensive coordinator, "We need to come up with a blitz package to stop X, Y, or Z." But they haven't played anybody yet. South Carolina with Rattler at the helm, it's a quarterback. He gives you a lot. Um, being an Oklahoma guy, being a being a guy trained and coached by Lincoln Riley, he he gives Georgia a little bit more of a challenge. I think this week, um, it's an SEC football game. It's Columbia. It's at home. The Gamecocks are rowdy, rowdy playing football, but Georgia still wins by thirty. Oh yeah, all they do is play their game. Georgia just has to play their game. They get they pin those ears back on third down and they get Rattler uncomfortable because that's what happened when he was at Oklahoma. And you've got a lot better defenses in SEC than you do in the Big 12. That's just the way it is. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But Georgia, to you, you said it, they hadn't played a meaningful snap. They're just practicing at this point. It's high-level practice. Yeah, I can't really blame them. You know, they had a schedule that set up for a decent test early, and it got canceled for this whole conference realignment thing. So, you know, not gonna not gonna pull them down because of that, but I can't I can't say they've proven anything yet. Uh, that, that's probably the one thing we're gonna learn a little bit this week is the Georgia South Carolina game. We'll learn a little bit of something about Georgia. So speaking of that, I, I tried to look over the slate and pick a few games for us to pick this week, and it was very difficult. Because some of these are like obvious. So I picked four games. Maybe that's the number we go with. If we start going into rivalry week, maybe we expand it out or something. But um, there's four games I want to pick. Um, so why don't we start with LSU-Mississippi State? What are your thoughts here? LSU, you know, start of the season, they seemed like they were right there below Alabama. If anybody in the SEC West was going to put pressure on Alabama, it was going to be LSU. And pretty immediately, Florida State kind of um, showed some weaknesses there. Um, you know, Mississippi State's got the new coach after um, Leach's death. Um, so there's questions there. They they won some football games last year, but then how much of that can they carry over? I don't know. Where where do we see LSU Mississippi State? Does Mississippi State have any chance here? I don't think so. I think I think LSU's gonna gonna find their footing. LSU is a nine to ten win football team, but they're you know there's Georgia, there's Alabama, there's everybody else um, in the SEC West. There's Alabama and there's everybody else. So Mississippi State will come to play because of who it is, but they're gonna get they're gonna give they're going to give or LSU is going to make enough opportunities they're gonna win the football game. Um, this one to me is LSU in a runaway, um, probably three scores or more. They have to prove that they can hang with Alabama, 
They have to prove that they can play in the SEC, and now style points matter because of the way they got defeated by Florida State. I see a little different. I think it's going to be a little closer than you think. I do think LSU pulls it off. I'm I'm looking at the West, and obviously my team sits in the West, and I'm trying to figure out what pecking order is. I see it as 1-3-3. I think Alabama's still sitting there. I know they got beat by Texas, but that wasn't an SEC team that beat them. I think there is a shift downward of all of the SEC West teams from what I've seen. You know, we thought they were a little high. I think they're a little bit lower than they are overall. But I think Alabama still sits on top there pretty easily. And I still think, you know, I think maybe I pull LSU down and they're kind of grouped together with A&M and Ole Miss. And A&M, that's kind of a question. Um, Ole Miss, I think, has got a lot of firepower. Maybe they're, they've got some weaknesses. You know, Lane tends to have a lot of positives, but some weaknesses mixed in. Um, I think those three are the next level kind of together. Maybe LSU is kind of sitting on top of that. But I think you put the other three at the bottom. I think Auburn, Arkansas, and Mississippi State are going to be battling out of the corner the whole year just to not come in last place. And I think that that's, uh, well, that's the reason I think LSU's a step above Mississippi State here. They'll come up with it. Yeah, it just takes a win, though. Sometimes, you know, when you when you know you're the team that has nothing to lose, mm-hmm. does a one and a, or does a two and eight Alabama or Auburn two and nine Auburn play a one and or a ten and one Alabama any differently than if they were both undefeated? Absolutely not. Not when it matters, you know. So. You'll see that with you'll see that as the as the season progresses. Um, if you have a chance to knock off somebody better than you, you take full advantage of it, and you show what you can do. Um, saw that for the first time years ago in the SEC when I was paying attention to it when Houston Nutt had the two running backs, um, and they beat Arkansas or beat LSU in triple overtime. Felix. What was it? Is it Felix Jones and Darren McFadden? That's exactly who it was. Yep, it was Darren Mc, And he gave the big emotional speech after the game, but LSU still goes on to the national title game, wins the national championship, you know? Um, but, yeah, that was, that was Arkansas beating LSU. That team had really good talent, but Arkansas was a 500 team, and they came in and they beat LSU. And if I'm not mistaken, they beat them in Baton Rouge. So that was a, a huge thing. Um, but I'm going to read into Auburn history when I hear something like that because it reminds me of Auburn's defense holding Mark Ingram to 15 yards or so, and he yeah. still. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what That's, year that was. But they may have won the national championship also. Um, 2009, and they did win the national title, sir. They beat Texas, led by Colt McCoy, that edged in over, uh, edged into the game after a Nebraska loss when Indominican Sioux dominated Texas that game. One man wrecking crew. But uh, anyway. That's my pick, LSU, and I think they win bigger than you do. Right. Okay, let's move along to another SEC conference game, South Carolina and Georgia. I think um, 
think Georgia's got this one pretty easy. I uh, haven't been too impressed with South Carolina, but I think this one's another 10-point game, though. I think it's comfortable, but not a blowout. I think it's a 30-point game, Terry. Put it in reverse. The dogs are going to eat the lunch of the Gamecocks. It's not even close. Here comes Kirby. He's got the big linebackers, the defensive front. They're going to do what they do. They're going to stop the run. They're going to make South Carolina earn every single first down, every single yard. Oh, and then they got four running backs that can start at any team in the country. They all have G's on the side of their helmets, and they're going to run the ball by committee. That's what Georgia's going to do. Run the ball, control the clock, play good defense. It sounds a lot like Alabama. Sounds, You know, the great football teams that won lots of championships play defense, control the clock, don't make a lot of mistakes. Um, look for Georgia to make a mistake early, though. They're going to come into this game amped up. They might rock the quarterback and get a 15-yard penalty. They might fumble the ball. They'll make a mistake. Kirby will do what Kirby does. He'll get them all calmed down. That favorite gif I send you all the time where Kirby's telling his guys to calm the <laughs> fuck down, Terry. Calm He's down. 20 times so far. Yeah, all the time. That's right. 20 times. Calm the fuck down. You all should have seen Terry yesterday. He was beside himself. You think I'm the one that gets fired up on this show. Don't talk about AOL.com or whatever internet source he's using. But anyway, America Online hitting the old ringing down. He probably had to kick the kids off the second phone line just to get us dialed up. But well, there's uh, some of that. anyway. Get off the iPad. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, in all seriousness, Georgia in a route statement game. They've got to have it. They got to remind everybody they're the two time defending national champions. You want the title. You beat us. All right. So the third game I picked, and like I said, it was tough finding games that even be an interesting conversation. But I think Minnesota, North Carolina might be interesting here. Um, I still have North Carolina winning this, but I don't think this is going to be. I think North Carolina has shown they have some weakness here. Even after that win with South Carolina, North Carolina has not looked great in week two here, but. Uh, I think Minnesota has shown me enough, you know, that first win against Nebraska that I think they give a, a decent game here, but I think North Carolina pulls it off. For our adoring fans out there, Terry, remind them that it was App State that took North Carolina to overtime this last weekend. App State nearly got another one uh, in their belt there to add to the Michigan, the A&M. They beat North Carolina before. So um, they know how to play. They know how to win. They're a very, very good team in the FBS, App State is. But uh, Carolina has enough offensive firepower. I think they get by Minnesota. Minnesota will keep it close. Um, Big 10 ACC, little game there. But, um, you know, Minnesota's defense is, is very disciplined, very experienced. They've got their scheme that they like to run. Mac Brown, of course, you know, I think is now the second most winningest coach active in the FBS, only behind Nick Saban. So um, has the most wins anyway. He's seen he's seen everything. You're not gonna you're not gonna fool Mac Brown. What he needs to do is get his players to play. As he said, you know, at the about the App State game, offensively they committed way too many mental errors. Defensively, they did not look crisp and snap and snug. And so if you're going to play Minnesota, you're going to have to be that way. 
but I think the offensive firepower of North Carolina gets it done, even over that very good defense. And Chiswick and the defense in North Carolina will get a stop one or two times if that's all they'll need. Because Minnesota's that grinded out team that wants a seven or eight minute possession. They'll get a stop. They'll get the ball back for the offense. The offense wins the game. All right. Well, the, the fourth and final game that I decided that might be getting a little interesting is um, Kansas State, Missouri. And I know Missouri struggled with Middle Tennessee this last week. I think there's enough there on that team that they can bounce back and give Kansas State a game. And I'm actually picking this as an upset alert this week. Uh, Missouri over Kansas State. And I know Kansas State, if you look at just the scores, they haven't really played anybody. They put it on a couple of teams that don't have much. But um, if I've got to pick an upset alert, I'm going with this. Missouri. Put over- it in reverse, Terry. Put it in reverse. Kansas State. Kansas State wins by two touchdowns. Gary Pinkle isn't the head coach of Missouri anymore. And, no, and nor is uh, what's-his-face, the old man that won so many games there at Kansas State, uh, Bill uh, – Bill somebody, I forget his name. He was a great, great, great football coach. I'll there. pathetic not knowing his name. Bill. Snyder. It's Bill Snyder. Yeah, yeah, I knew he'd come to me. Yeah, that's but, the thing uh, about that program. They would be great with Snyder. He would leave. They would fall off. He would come back. They would be great again. He would leave. They would fall off. Um, yeah, well, that's my upset alert. But, it, you know. Oh, Old Big Twelve match, baby. It's 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 Kansas State, and if I if I've got to pick a team, I'm picking Kansas State over Missouri. Okay, I went to Missouri one time, and this is a true story, folks. There's a sign out there that said there have been 387 roadside fatalities in this state this year. Well, thank you for that information. As I'm driving on your shitty ass highway, so strictly because of that alone, no Missouri for me. We're going with Kansas State. We're going with the Wildcats. They got enough offense in the tank. They got the defense. Missouri plays in the SEC, but Missouri is not an SEC football team. So, giving it to Kansas State this time. So, my question is, if they've got a sign telling you how many fatalities, how often are they updating that sign with these numbers? It's got to be daily, Terry. That's um, that's a lot of effort. Well, the worst part was it was only June, so we had we were halfway through the year and had three hundred eighty-seven fatalities on the roads of Missouri. Like that's something I'm going to advertise. Come see Branson, and by the way, don't get yourself killed going there. What are you talking about? Like, get out of here! It's like the most morbid thing. Three hundred eighty-seven fatalities this year, folks. Why don't you go ahead and slow the hell down? I mean. What are we doing? But that's your tax dollars at work, Missouri fans, and you're losing the football game against Kansas State Saturday. All right. So you didn't you didn't expect an upset on any of those four. Where do you expect an upset this week? The upset alert, and I don't necessarily expect it, but it is a historical upset alert based on the recent history. Penn State is on upset alert against Illinois this year or this week. Illinois lost a game they had no business losing, but Illinois, for whatever reason, is a thorn in Penn State's side every year. 
I believe they went to seven or eight overtimes one year. If I'm not mistaken, it was Penn State, Illinois that did that. Um, so Penn State is a top five team in my opinion. And that's just my opinion. I think they're better than Ohio State right now. I think they could play with Michigan right now, the way they're performing. Um, they just look like a really well-developed physical football team. I think they're missing that one star maker. Like Ohio State, most of their offense Saturday was because of William Harrison Jr., who did his dad ever beat, you know? I mean, or Marvin Harrison Jr., not William. Marvin Harrison Jr., who did his dad ever beat, you know? I don't know. But um, he had three touchdowns, 180 yards. You can't really argue with the production there. But Penn State lacks that playmaker is my point. They lack that playmaker. But if they're overlooking Illinois because of a false start on Illinois, no pun intended, but they, they had that awful start. Uh, and I forget what team they lost to. They should have beat. Uh, but anyway – I'm picking I'm picking the Illinois game as the upset, and the reason is the defense that they bring to the table. They're going to run the ball, and under Brad Belima, they play tough. Illinois plays tough football. They'll take it personally if Penn State runs all over. Well, all right. So, like I said, this slate this week, it's tough to find an upset alert just because there's so few games that really should be competitive. Um. But those are our two from what we had to choose from. We'll see what happens there. But I know there's going to be one that we didn't expect. That's the good thing about college football. If I had some closing thoughts here, um, you know, we learned a little bit in week two. We'll learn a little bit more in week three. Um, I think week four is going to start really ramping it up. We start getting into conference play in a lot of places. Looking forward to it. I think next week's show, we're going to have more to talk about than we expect. But, um, you know, pretty exciting this week. You know, in week two, there was a time in the morning where I was flipping between three games. And that is the first time I've had that all season. And that was really exciting. So I'm ready to get that going. I'm ready to have to set up four TVs to be able to keep up. That's what I want. Your dad gets a button set up for you, Terry. Tell him. Shout out to I got to get some different internet. I'm going to be streaming all that. But we'll, we'll hold <laughs> off, you know. We'll, we'll give them one. And, you know, if, if, if this happens again, we're going to, you know, we, you will hear the rant. And, and we'll start the show off with my internet rant if we have to. But we're going to give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt. They had a bad day. But we're going to let it go for now. I'm going to keep keep track of that, and I'll let you know. You'll hear about it. Of course, we don't – Terry doesn't take it care of Apparently, we don't keep things in the locker room like good football teams do because one little one little thing goes off, and I'm getting tagged in a social media post. <laughs> about what? Who did it? I don't know what. I don't know who did what. Terry, Terry got mad. He lost his shit, Terry, last night. And whatever internet provider it is is going to get a very tersely – written email is very pointed to the fact that he was unhappy. So you all be looking out for that at Terry's local internet provider. Good morning, kind sir. I will have you know. <laughs> exactly. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> a very well worded email that Terry's going to delete six times before he actually sends it. 
So you got any closing thoughts this week before we wrap it up? Closing thoughts on Mel Kiper or uh, Mel Tucker, excuse me, at uh, Michigan State. If any of the rumors are true about the sexual harassment, he deserves to be fired. People need to learn to keep their hands to themselves. I don't care what your power position is. Obviously, based on what I've read, the man didn't read his audience based on the woman she was and what background she had. Um, but you being a celebrity because you're a college football coach in a very important program in a very big division that paid you a lot of money, guaranteed money to be the head coach of Michigan State, doesn't give you the right to act like a bad human being. So if you did that, you deserve determination. But from the football standpoint, Michigan State owes this man $70-plus million guaranteed money unless they fire him with cause, and that's the with the morality call, clause in his contract. Um, there's too much of this shit going on, guys. Do better. Be better people in all aspects of your life. Be better people. No has always meant no. Unwanted advances are unwanted advances, and no position, money, dollar figure, stature, whatever, is going to change that. Do not soil what we love with scandals because you can't be a better person and faithful to the person you said, I do, too. And that's where I'm at on that. There. All right. Well spoken there. So I'll reiterate, week two was fun. I think week three is going to be better than we're giving it credit for. We'll talk all about it next week. We'll have another top ten. And I've got a little surprise in hand at some point that I didn't reveal this week. It was on my list. I'm going to hold that off. We'll hold off on that. Tell me it's a chest hair like last night, please. We're going to see Nerd Terry show up big time. Oh, God. Hashtag Nerd Terry. Look, (laughs) we're getting merchandise and we're getting Blue Chew commercials. We're going to do the live Blue Chew reads on this show, ladies and gentlemen, at some point. And Terry's going to unbutton that top button of this polo. And he's going to show you all. And he don't need no damn blue chew, no matter the color of his chest hair, uh, which apparently is not salt and pepper, as I was corrected earlier today. Um, just the beard. Wasn't paying attention enough. It's just the beard. But no, in all seriousness, we appreciate everybody listens to us. Listen to my crazy ass talking to Terry about football. You can see how much fun we have. I do love Terry. Tease him all the time because yesterday – He really was. I've lost my shit, Terry. But uh, Nerd Terry is the one that we all really love. That is the peak Terry. Because the peak behind the curtain, ladies and gentlemen, is this man is an engineer. And uh, his personality certainly fits that vocation. (laughs) Well, I'm a straight guy in more ways than one. When shit goes wrong... When shit goes wrong, Terry is not pleased because he's put so much thought and effort into it, and then it didn't work. So that's when you get lose my shit, Terry. But uh, hopefully, hopefully the technical difficulties next week will be avoided, and we'll shoot you guys out a video on Monday or Tuesday instead of having to record this Tuesday night after everybody else has already had their say, and hopefully we're not recycling what you've already heard. That is really our... 
we want to be fun guys. We want to be, you know, if you like what we're doing, tell us. If you don't like what we're doing, tell us. I promise you, I am a sales manager in the car business. You're not going to hurt my feelings because I've been doing it for too long. But in all seriousness, we appreciate, love you guys. Anybody listens to us, listens to my crazy ass, get on here and talk about all sorts of things, ranting. You're not watching the video, but I'm holding the phone in one hand and gesturing in the other at this point because I love this. We get excited about it. I love doing it with Terry. So anything you guys want to tell us, tell us. We're not, you know, we're not perfect. This is our third show. Um, and we really do want the feedback because we have plans, the two of us, for other projects down the road. But if we're that bad, we need to know so we can get it fixed before we launch those projects. Um, but we do appreciate all of you. Anybody listening, even Dave in the QC, who you know absolutely adores the fact that we have Florida State in the two spot. And we'll never hear the end of it if they run the table. We'll never hear the end of it. I think you're going to mention him every week. Anyway, we appreciate any listeners, any feedback. Hope you're having a good time listening to us. We hope you have a good week, and we'll see you next week.